0: Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Shakespeare Play
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. Thanks for subscribing, streaming, or downloading and listening to us on your computer or tablet or phone. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 593, Best Shakespeare Play.
2: That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcast
0: should have a theme song. Podcast should not have a song. Song. yes they
1: should no they shouldn't
0: they sound good yeah but people are just going to skip past it hmm. you know what you're right
1: we got this that was the opening of episode 113 of the we got this podcast produced and hosted by hal lublin and mark gagliardi who every week settle such earth shattering debates as best donut best monty python song and best muppet But a year ago, in 2017, Mark and Hal invited me on to help them settle once and for all, the greatest debate of all, what is actually William Shakespeare's greatest play? In honor of Shakespeare's 454th birthday today, I present to you episode 113 of the We Got This Podcast, Abridged. The full episode is an hour and 20 minutes long, but I should be able to shave a little time off that now. Mark already explains how we are going to do this.
2: So uh, the way that we've decided to break this episode down uh, is according to the first folio, which is the 1623 anthology of Shakespeare's works. Uh, It is broken down into uh, comedies, histories and tragedies. Uh, So we're going to uh, we're going to use that as the basis of how we break this down. Uh, Frequently, the way that our methodology for this show we wind up getting the silver and bronze medalists wrong, but we always get the gold medalist right. But I feel like this may be a good way to look at this. Agreed? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, uh, in honor of in honor of William Shakespeare's birthday, let's go with the histories. Uh, here they are in folio order: King John, Richard II, Henry IV, Parts One and Two, Henry V, Henry VI, Parts One, Two, and Three, Richard III. And Henry the Eighth. Yes, very, very legal. Lots of numbers in that mm-hmm. mix. I feel like this one is just going to become a battle of Henry the Fifth versus Richard the Third.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I think that's probably of right. These I think there's there some uh, uh, there are some unsung tales in here. Mm-hmm. Um uh uh Henry the uh, Henry VI, the Sixth, the play So Nice He wrote it thrice.
2: Um, oh, yeah. Out of order, right? He wrote part two first
1: and then wrote part one. I think that's right. And wrote part three uh, years later, you know, just just to finish
2: finish up the story of Michael Corleone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, It's got Godfather chronology, the Henry (laughs) VI.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in there, but it's definitely not worth um, the three plays. And I have just been – I went to a Shakespeare theater conference because, of course, I would. Sure and uh i was scolded uh, for not appreciating king john more apparently there's some uh, th- apparently there's some um wonderful characters in there and uh, uh and that it is much um unsung and underrated and i i i cannot claim any ex- uh, uh, expert knowledge about this but there there is a small pocket of people out there who claim that king john is better than we all think
0: You know what though? That to me feels like people at a Comic Con that's like, you don't like Peter Parker enough or whatever? Like clearly the best uh Batman Mm -hmm. villain is the toy master or whoever, and here's why. (laughs) I think that's exactly right.
2: It's just it's just contrarians wanting to be contrary. Yeah, exactly. Now Now, this King John is the same is the same figure uh who was Prince John in the Robin Hood tales, correct?
1: Exactly. And that in enormously interesting fact is completely left out of the play. So, work. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. If Shakespeare had put Robin Hood into King John, things would have Hello? been so much different. Yeah. Yeah. We wouldn't have to do this episode. The, yeah, original,
0: King- uh, the original performance was all forest animals like the Disney film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People
2: forget yeah. That. And a rooster walking around singing Roger Miller tunes. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's jump into uh, Henry V or Richard III.
1: Can People. I make one? Can I can I make two um, pitches for Henry Please. for Henry IV Part One? Okay. Henry IV Part One uh, has so much going on in it. Uh, it's one of those plays. It's all over the place, but every place it goes to is really interesting. Um, all, all the stuff between Hal and Falstaff. Uh, 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 in Eastcheap, in the pubs, and out robbing people. That's all interesting, and you get to see Hal's coming of age as he figures out, oh, maybe I should be hanging out with this rogue, this vagabond. Uh, and then the stuff with his father, which is really great, and then the fight scenes at the end where Hal and Hotspur... You know, duke it out and 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 contend for uh, a supremacy. I think there's a lot going on in Henry IV, one which are and and all of it is fascinating. It has it, it goes more places than Henry the five Henry the five Henry five. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in my view, so I I I would make a slight fight for that. And also, I think Richard the second is is slightly ah. I well, I can I can make an argument for Richard the second. I can't. I don't think I can argue that they're better. But I think I can make right. a argument that they're both pretty good. Well,
0: what What do you think makes a great history from Shakespeare? What What makes those stand out? I mean, Richard the Third, I'm obviously familiar with, and everybody knows. Uh, now is the winter of our discontent, which comes from the beginning of that, unless I'm getting it wrong. Uh, no, bravo, well done. Yes, thank you. And everybody uh, is familiar with Henry the Eighth, if if only for the Herm- mm-hmm. Herm- Herman's Hermit song. Uh, <laughs> 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 But what, what is it? What are the things that is it? Is it the events that they cover from history, like you said? Is it the action? Is it character development? Uh, and and is the thing that makes a great history also the thing that makes a great uh, tragedy or comedy?
1: Ooh, that's well. That's a couple of good questions right there. Yeah. Um, um, well, and and some people think that Richard the Third is a tragedy. Um, uh, uh, I would think. I would. I, I would argue that the the the. The reason Henry V and Richard III are arguably the best histories are because they have great, strong central title characters that you can mm-hmm. immediately focus the action around, and an audience can go, right, I'm involved, I'm on board with Henry V, and I'm on board with Richard. Um, uh, I think that allows you to. One of the problems with the Henry VI plays is that, you know, Henry VI is kind of a cipher. It's not. It's to- the play is totally not about him. Similar with Mm -hmm. with Henry VIII. Henry VIII is more about um, Cardinal Wolsey. And so it's not again, it's not really about Henry VIII at all. Um, And the same with Richard III. Richard III is like one of the greatest theatrical characters in the history of literature. And, and not only is it, is he an evil figure, he's, he's a charming figure. He's funny. He's, his, his very first line that you quoted only half of, now is the winter of our discontent made glorious summer by this son of York. It, it's a pun. Right. It's, and
2: you gotta love any so Shakespearean tragic figure that whose first line is a pun. So he's out there, he's a villain, he's out there saying puns, and at one point he kills uh, teenagers. Is he the Freddy Krueger of the Shakespeare canon?
1: <laughs> he might, yes, he, mel- he might well be, maybe, but, but then he denies it. I think Freddy owned it in a way that Richard yeah. doesn't. Yeah.
2: yeah, Richard doesn't own that he's killing children <laughs> in the tower. Yeah, right.
0: Richard doesn't drown somebody and they go, have a drink. Uh <laughs>
1: But you know what? He kind of, I bet he does. Now I'm going to have to go look through the text and see if there is, see if, <laughs> we
2: can see if there's a have a drink.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he wrote jokes on his hump. Just joke ideas. <laughs> that was a scratch paper. I, I do. Uh, uh, there's a great documentary called looking for Richard, which is about Kevin Spacey and Al Pacino. It was about Al Pacino staging Richard the third. And at a certain point he's in, he's in, in the castle in his full outfit and a group of, like, Norwegian students are in on a tour, and he just comes – he, like, emerges from, from behind a tapestry and starts acting at them. <laughs> Number one, the students have no idea who he is. They have of no course. idea what's going on, and probably half of them just need to go to the bathroom. But it is – I mean, the, the film is brilliant. It's a great uh, look at how actors break down uh, Shakespearean text to perform it. But also that is one of my favorite awkward moments in a documentary –
1: well I love um, that you described it as acting at them because that is yeah. certainly Pacino's style for sure. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to act at you.
0: <laughs> so what are so it sounds like Richard the Richard the Third is a finalist. Is that for certain? Just because it – Well, we, we have the I
2: think we have Henry the Fifth to talk about a little bit. Yeah. Richard the yeah. Third is brilliant and uh and iconic. Uh but Henry the Fifth does have, if nothing else, one really great speech. Um and lots of interesting side characters. The St. Christmas Day speech.
1: Yeah, no movie with a hero would be would, would be a successful movie without some version of the St. Oh, yeah. Christmas Day speech.
0: Yeah,
2: I never thought of that. That really is the like just you know uh getting up in front of your troops and rallying them as yeah. boy that is one speech good enough to like I, I don't think as a character Henry V is going to beat. Uh, richard the third i think right. is henry henry plus that speech, that iconic speech is that enough to tip them over richard the third as the victor in this um i say uh, them as if they are two separate entities
1: i don't know because richard if we're going by speeches i think richard has a lot of great speeches as well um but i think i think henry might get the nudge ju- the Nodge? i get i sure. think henry <laughs> might get the nudge or the nod um because um it's it's a little more contained you know shakespeare loved his five act you know plays that go everywhere uh, uh henry the 5 is also five acts but it feels more of a contained action if we're speaking of the aristotelian unities <laughs> um, uh you know it has a
2: unity <laughs> Do you have to do that when you say aristotelian unities? Yes, exa- I do. I
1: have to give that that <laughs> that uh I don't know, it's not quite Paul Lind, but it's something. Anyway, um, yeah, it's, it, 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 is, it seems more contained. Um, uh, uh, one, one, the, the, it has a unity of action that I think Richard the 3rd doesn't necessarily have. Um, and, and that might, it, it, and it also, it, it can be equally an anti-war play or a pro-war play. Um, it's been used in both. Olivier's version was the film version was very, very um, patriotic and meant to stir, stir um, the English patriotic sentiment uh, around World War Two. And Branagh's version is very much not that. Um, so I, it's got a lot going on in that play that I think might slightly give it the nod over Richard III.
2: OK, um, we, we will defer to you. in most of these, by the way, as you are. uh you are currently a professor of Shakespeare at a university, and we are two bozos who argue about things. I'm an expert in the sense that X
1: is an unknown quantity and spurt <laughs> is a drip under pressure. Yes.
2: <laughs> I'm Michael Whitmore, director of the Folger Shakespeare Library in Washington, D.C., And you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company Podcast.
1: Where can you RSC the RSC? Our last live performances of this spring 2018 begin on May 31st at the Pittsburgh Public Theater, where we'll be doing William Shakespeare's long-lost first play, A Bridge, for four and a half weeks until July 1st, 2018. Also, this Saturday, April 28th, you can see Reed Martin and I at the Bay Area Book Fest in Berkeley, California, talking about and signing copies of our book, Pop Up Shakespeare, illustrated by the marvelous Jenny Mazels, who will not be with us in Berkeley, unfortunately. If you can't join us in Berkeley either, Pop Up Shakespeare is on sale worldwide. For more information about our appearance, go to baybookfest.org. We also have a bunch of performances of the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged and the ultimate Christmas show abridged scheduled for this fall of 2018, which we hope to get online as soon as possible. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to reducedshakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office, venue, and ticket information. And now back to this abridged reduction of episode 113 of the We Got This podcast with me and your hosts, Hal Lublin and Mark Gagliardi.
2: So Henry V is the one coming out of the history into the finals. So we're going with one history. Uh, we figure two comedies. Uh, how does that sound? A history, two comedies, three tragedies. Because looking at them, I feel like that's what they deserve.
1: Oh, yes? That's a good. I like that breakdown. I, I'm, I can go with that.
2: Great. Uh so let's pick our two comedies to take into the finals. Let's start with Taming of the Shrew. Okay. Um Taming of the Shrew is one of my favorites, but the oh, I can't handle the ending in 2017, the ending of Shake of Taming of the Shrew. Just being Kate coming out saying, You're right, I should be subservient. Am I looking at this ending incorrectly?
1: No, you're not. Not at all. I think it's how you stage it. I think you can get away with it if you you know, if if she's if she's pinning him down with her foot on his neck as she's saying Mm. all that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly, I think it plays. Um, But also, I I mean, I love I love that play, too, because I I, I think Kate and Petruchio really deserve each other. Some of my favorite, I mean, my favorite relationships in Shakespeare are the combative ones, the Kate and Petruchio, um, um, Beatrice and Benedict. Uh, Oh, sure. You you know, it's, it's, uh, but then, you know, Hal, you know my wife. I've, 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 I've I've, I've married a woman who 400 years ago would have been, you know, arrested as a witch or shamed as a shrew. (laughs) Uh, So I, I I have a type.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sure. You go for the Uh, Kates. Yeah, I go for the Cates and the Beatrices for sure. Do you think that Shakespeare gets more uh, reverence than he deserves or gets too much reverence to enjoy him properly?
1: I do. I, I, not, not that he gets too much reverence because I think he deserves all the reverence he gets. But I think, but I think sometimes we, you know, we put him into, we put him into theaters and we make our, we give our audiences expectations, uh, of, of, of a level of seriousness and high art that I think does Shakespeare a disservice. I mean, I think it would do anybody a sh- disservice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I, I think Shakespeare was a man of the people, and he was a showman. And I think you do him a disservice when
2: you treat him with overmuch reverence. Um. Well, let's move on, uh, because that's a wonderful segue to a group of actors who feel that they should be treated with the utmost authority, uh, who are not treated with reverence, and that is the Rude Mechanicals in A Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. Um. Another that this one, this one I think will be tough for me. This is the one I would love to push into the finals because I love this story. Uh, It's got so many iconic moments and characters with uh, the four lovers chasing each other around uh, and the mechanicals putting on a play. It really is. It's a million different types of comedy all in one Uh, thoughts on Midsummer?
1: Uh yeah, Midsummer's a classic and my problem, you know, is that in my business I've seen way too many productions of Midsummer. Sure. And, and I don't <laughs> because it's I not just, problematic. So Right, and and I don't need to do see it. another one. But yeah, but but, it, but it's hard to argue with all the it's there's a reason why people do it all the time. It's a great introduction to Shakespeare for for young people uh, or even
2: for anybody who is intimidated mm-hmm. by Shakespeare. And you know, when people <laughs> First, I say this is the one I want you go. Yeah, that's the children's one. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mark, I think a lot of stupid people like that play. Oh. Um, good. <laughs> um,
1: no, I, I and I lo- and you're 100% right about the 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 rude mechanicals, you know, when when I think the Rudy Shakespeare company first started people were saying, "Oh, how dare you parody Shakespeare." But of course, the Rude Mechanicals their performance of Pyramus and Thisbe is in itself a parody. Of theater at the time, you know mm-hmm. Shakespeare was writing theatrical parody yeah. you know and 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 it's one of the things that Hamlet talks about Hamlet for for his for his status as a as a leading tragic figure really knows his actors because he has a lot of he gives a lot of notes to actors you know Shakespeare was a lover of the theater in and in the, in the, which is why there's we won't we don't even need to get into the debate. About who wrote Shakespeare's plays? William Shakespeare. Shakespeare was an actor, as well as being a, an amazing playwright. And he knew what actors were like. And so, so the the, the portraits that he draws of the actors in the room, mechanicals are, are are very funny. But I also think they're very fond portraits.
2: I love much ado about nothing. Uh, it's the same. It's it's you know it's the quarrelling lovers. And boy, were they, are they Beatrice and Benedict are a beautiful pair.
1: I think if if Midsummer Night's Dream is going to have any competition in the comedy category, it's probably got to be Twelfth Night.
0: So out of the comedies, it sounds like we're taking Twelfth Night and Midsummer Night's Dream. Does that sound accurate? I think think anybody Uh,
1: would be hard to argue with those two. Yeah.
2: Great. Act three, The Tragedies. All right, we're pulling three tragedies from this list to go into the finals. Boy, some classics here. Again, Again. That's why we had to get three for this one. There's so many. Well, a bunch of these I think you
1: could get right off the bat. You can get rid of Cymbeline. You can get rid of Coriolanus. You can get rid of uh, Timon of Athens. I usually argue that my favorite uh, Shakespearean tragedy is Macbeth
2: because it's the shortest. I don't know. I mean, Julius Caesar is. there. That's the thing. You look at this list and they're all classics. They're all classics. Julius, Julius
1: Caesar meanders, in fairness. And after. Sure. The, after the, that the, happens with any biography story. I mean, the yes. movie Chaplin meandered. Yeah. Yes, and that's the first time (laughs) I've ever heard the movie *Chaplin* and *Julius Caesar* (laughs) mentioned. You're welcome. We're a podcast of firsts. I think you could make an argument for *King Lear*, and I think you could make an argument for *Othello*. Sure. And as much as I would, as much as I never need to see another production of *Hamlet* again, um, it's you know it is God everything. It it ghost story, revenge, tragedy, doomed romance, family play within a play, play within a play, and political thriller. It's got so much going on
0: is it Romeo and Juliet really about how couples need to communicate better? <laughs> yeah, it's really about if they only
1: lived 400 years later and had iPhones and could text each other, then, yeah. you know.
2: Yeah, Romeo <laughs> well, and Juliet is, it's like, it's the love story for the ages, but it's two dumb teenagers who uh, know each other for a week and then yeah. kill themselves. Right. And they're barely teenagers. They're 13 and 14. You know, they're, oh. they're.
1: Well, and, and for much of Romeo and Juliet, that's the, that's the, the fun thing about that play, and, and, and I think argues for its greatness, is that, it, is that for much of the play, it's a romantic comedy. It's a really funny comedy yeah. with a lot, of, a lot of fighting and a lot of teasing and a lot of young love, and and then it goes horribly south. Yeah. But, yeah. but for a lot it gets of real it, it's du- real dark at the end. Yeah, it does get slightly dark at the end.
0: <laughs> what percentage of Shakespeare's uh, – the, the issues in Shakespeare's plays could be solved by cell phones? yeah um... um, like <laughs> <laughs> be like just watched ashore, you up
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've definitely chosen Macbeth and Hamlet um Romeo and Juliet is on the list. What else is going on the is that correct? It sounded like no one was
1: yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. Yes, I. Uh, I. I think it's hard to argue, really, with with Hal's three choices there. I mean, I. I. I could argue, but it would be
0: half-hearted for Othello. Um, there so was Romeo, Macbeth,
2: Hamlet, and what? And Romeo and Juliet.
0: But why? Why would you say? Why would you say Othello half-heartedly? What? What is it about Othello that that wouldn't propel it? And what would be the case for it? Well, I think the case for it
1: is that uh, 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 Othello is a compelling figure, but also. Like Richard the Third, Iago is oh, is one, one of the of, greatest characters oof. in literature.
2: Yeah. Oh,
1: I forgot about it. the great villain. Yeah, the great, it has a great villain. So there's a great, there's a couple of really great relationships, uh, at the core of that. Really interesting. And, 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 and maybe, maybe, uh, maybe is one of the reasons to argue for Othello in favor of Romeo and Juliet, which, as we've just been talking about, is mostly a comedy until two young, stupid teenagers decide to do the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there is a much more classically tragic aspect to, Othello, both in Othello's own um, um, uh, jealousy, but also in Iago's, well, Iago's jealousy. They're both driven mad by jealousy and wanting something, worried that they're going to lose something or wanting something that the other fellow has.
2: All right. So it looks like we have our finalists right. um, and we've got, uh, uh, we've got in the comedies category, we have Twelfth Night and A Midsummer Night's Dream. In the histories, we have Henry V, and of the tragedies, we have Hamlet, Macbeth, and Othello.
1: Okay, oh boy, this is tough. Um, how do you get yeah, six of Shakespeare's greatest plays, and how do you pick one to get rid of? Uh, right. I, I think. Let, I can ha- we just start
2: this with they're all amazing? We know that yes. they're yeah, they're the great canon of literature. Yeah. Yes, it's an honor just to be nominated to be the six. <laughs> uh, and. And also, may, uh, maybe you have business, Austin, doing this. Hal and I clearly have no business doing
1: this. <laughs> no, this is not true. Shakespeare is for everyone. Good. Shakespeare for everyone. Everyone deserves to have an opinion about Shakespeare. And if you if you've listened this far, you definitely have a <laughs> right <to really> do. <laughs> um, Let's see. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm, I apologize, Mark, but I'm gonna have to eliminate *Midsummer Night's Dream* first. Whoa. Yeah, it's, oh. look,
2: I I get it. It's the children's matinee.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just I I've seen too many versions of it, and uh, you know, in terms of its its it it's it's great for all for many 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 reasons that it introduces people to Shakespeare, and it has lived so long and survived so many terrible productions. Um, but in terms of his greatest work, I I, I don't think it can. I don't think it can compete. Uh,
0: I'm going to eliminate Henry the Fifth. Although I do want to say the St. Crispin's Day speech is fantastic.
2: I am going to eliminate. So the history has gone. We have one comedy. I want to leave Twelfth Night in there. Um, my question I'm asking myself right now is, uh, does the juicy villain in Othello beat uh, Macbeth and every bit of crazy that it's got going on? I don't think it does. So I'm going to have to eliminate Othello. Yep. I can see that.
1: I can I un- completely understand that choice. Yep. Um, oh. Well, then, so now it's to me again, right? And we've got Hamlet, Macbeth, and Twelfth Night left. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I'm not gonna. I'm. I, I can't eliminate Twelfth Night. I mean, I could, but I won't. Uh, <clears throat> um, and so I have to choose between uh, Hamlet's length. <clears throat> Uh, that's a big <laughs> argument against it. Um, versus uh, um, Macbeth's brevity. Oh golly, this is tough. This is tough because you can't argue that Hamlet's not a great play, right? You can't. Um, I I think uh, I. But I will screw it. I'm gonna I'm gonna eliminate Hamlet.
0: Whoa. Whoa. Wow! Oh my goodness!
1: Oh man, I can't believe that just happened. Yeah. Well. Uh yeah, nobody cares about the Polonius family and he spends way too much time dealing with it.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, uh so it's down to me. Uh Yeah, 12th Night or Macbeth. Just let me say, you know, uh if you listen to the show often that we always try to saddle our guests with the, the ultimate choice. But we we can go we can go back and re-record. Oh no. No, we're going to live with this mistake. <laughs> My parents did it and so will I. So
2: Should we should we all decide it, or do you feel that you want to burden this shoulder this burden how?
0: You know, no, I can shoulder this burden. I think it's pretty clear. The burden that was
2: handed to you, by the way, by Austin for eliminating Hamlet. I thought honestly, I thought it was gonna be like our Muppets episode where we eventually got to Kermit, but we got to talk about everyone. With mm-hmm. Hamlet gone, this is up in the air.
0: I don't think it is. I think it's pretty clear that it's Macbeth. Oh! I think yeah. Twelfth Night is is a great comedy, but Macbeth is such a classic. The themes of Macbeth and the desire for power and the willingness to do it. I mean, that's what – if you like House of Cards, you probably will like Macbeth. Uh, if you like Election, you probably will like Macbeth. The, <laughs> the lengths that people will go to to get or keep power – and the people who drive them and how malleable they come they become in this rigid search is an an incredibly classic theme that plays out all the time both in film and television and in the real world
1: and where did we start this conversation with me saying that macbeth is 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 shakespeare's greatest tragedy because it's the shortest That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company Podcast. Do you agree with our result? Let us know by posting a comment on our webpage or our Facebook page or send us a tweet or send us your best Shakespeare play via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. Then I encourage you to listen to the whole unabridged episode because there's a lot more conversation about the plays, plus more funny banter and digressions about other productions and arguments about Midsummer and Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet, and I promise you'll be screaming with laughter or screaming at these three idiots to shut the hell up already. I'll post a link on our webpage, and in fact, you should listen to all We Got This podcast episodes because Mark and Hal are fantastically funny hosts and they get terrific guests. For instance, the person who helps them pick the best Monty Python song is none other than Weird Al Yankovic. You can find all episodes of We Got This at MaximumFun.org. On Twitter, you can find Hal at Hal Lublin. You can find Mark at, at MarkGags, And you can follow the show itself at We Got This Tweets. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener. And the RSC is on Twitter and Instagram at Reduced and at Reduced Shakespeare Company. Thanks, as always, to A Walking Comedy of Errors, Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Caitlin Taylor. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Michael Whitmore, director of the Folger Shakespeare Library in Washington, D.C. Thanks also to the students of Pacific University in Forest Grove, Oregon, for the cheer you're about to hear. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Titchener, 593 1779 of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since nineteen eighty one. Go to reduce for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. So much less.